Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Today on Aim Higher, I'm going to take you back to a conversation I had with Patrick Donatio on communicating with impact. Communication is so very important to everything we do. I learned things from him like almost 80% of the day is spent on communication. And communication skills rank as the most or second most desired skill in every industry. And we know that better communication leads to better results. Join my conversation with Patrick now. I'm excited today to have the gift of God of communication with us, Patrick Donadio. Very nice. And he just told me that his last name means gift of God. So I thought that would be an appropriate way to introduce you. Pretty high honor. I feel a lot of pressure now to deliver with that introduction. That's kind of the point. But he is a keynote speaker, a communication strategist. He's an author. He wrote this great book called Communicating with Impact, which it's a really great book, and we're going to talk a lot about the ideas in this book, and so thank you for coming in. Yeah, well, it's good to be here, and nice to see you again. I want to start with the why behind this. What prompted you to develop this model and to come up with these six steps to communicating with impact? Yes, well, I've been doing this workshop for many years. In fact, this is my 33rd year I've been on my own as an entrepreneur. And when I started teaching it, I was intrigued with you know, the concept of learning. And I read the book by Michael Gerber called E-Myth. I'm sure you've probably heard of it. I have. And in there, he talks about the importance of thinking about your business as a franchise. And you should you know, systematize things. And I was trying to figure out how to you know, really grow my business. But at the same time, I thought, that makes a lot of sense. Because when you have a process, you get a better result. So I thought, how can I actually maybe take what I'm teaching in communication skills and maybe make it a process? So over the next, you know, three to five years, I kind of began to identify what are the key components and over time came up with the impact acronym and the model. Well, there are six steps to it. So what are the six steps? Well, the first step is the intention. And that is the first step of the process to think about why am I having the conversation? The M is for the message and the method. So once you know the intention, right, what do you want to say and what's the best way to say it? The P is the person. So how do I personalize this message to the receiver, whether it's going to be face-to-face on a phone or even in email? That's the IMP part. I call that the IM planning also because that's kind of the planning content. Then the ACT is actually planning the delivery. So A is activate. So how do you stay engaged? How do you activate the receiver? And how do you stay activated? The C is clarify. So how do you make sure the message you sent is the same message that they received? And then the T, I call that the secret sauce. Uh, the T is transform. How do you make sure that um, you transform your words into actions and the actions into result? So that's the impact process. It's pretty simple to remember. Just remember the word impact. It is simple to remember. And yet, as you delve into each one of these, the nuances and the things beneath them, they're much deeper than it appears in this model. And so is there one part of this that's easier to forget? Ironically, the first step is the easiest step to forget. It's called the intention. And so many times, I think because we're impatient, we're all busy, we just start communicating. And the first step basically says, take a few moments and think before you speak. Uh, and so that's the step that's probably the easiest step and the one that I see most people forget. Is that based on personality type that some people just blurted out? I think it could be. It could be personality type. Yeah, obviously extroverts you know, think out loud so they have to talk it through. Uh, they might be a you know, kind of person that might start talking. So it could be personality based, but I also think it has to just do with the busyness. We're all so busy. 
We are also busy. I see that as a crucial first step because what is the, I would start with the purpose, and mm -hmm. we so often don't do that. How about message management? What is message management? Right. So once you know your intention, then the intention is basically, you know, why am I having this conversation? And, and so once you know the intention, then the second step is to think about what do I want to say? What's the best way for me to achieve this attention? So we talk about creating content, which is the message, and we talk about the vehicle or the method to communicate it. And one of the challenges I find, a lot of people sometimes when they're creating content just sit there and get stuck. And they look at a blank screen, or they look at a blank sheet of paper, and they just don't know what to say. So we talk in the book a little bit about a way to break through this I call linear thinking. Why is that a challenge? Well, a lot of people will take a look at a project and start to think first, second, third, fourth, that's linear thinking. And I don't know about you, Skip, but when I create a presentation, sometimes I sit there and say, okay, well, what should I say? Now, how should I open? I don't know, what should I do? And you just get stuck. So what I talk about is using a technique, and maybe you already know about it, it's called the mind map. And basically, it's a nonlinear approach. You just do a data dump. You just start thinking about what are all the things I could talk about? Don't worry about order, structure, you know, whether it's good or bad. And the, doing the mind map, it, it frees you up to get out of this linear thinking mode, which kind of gets you stuck, and creativity starts flowing content. I really like that. The mind map does open that up. And I, I think back to personality type, because some people think that way right. much more naturally, and yes. so it, it makes sense. How about personalization? How do you personalize a message, especially if you're talking to a, a larger group? Yeah, well, obviously, when you have an intention and you start to create the content, you know, think, well, just start talking, but everybody's different. You know, so if I'm going to talk to you or I'm going to talk to maybe uh, one of your managers, uh, you might be more relational. They may be more analytical. Wouldn't I want to adjust the message? So in the personal step, we go through the whole idea of understanding personality styles. And, and I'll be up front. You know, I'm not a big believer that you know, there's any one style or any one test that works perfectly. But I do believe if I'm going to kind of place a bet, I'd rather bet on trying some concept than just to throw stuff out there. So I talk about the disc, which is one of the styles, you know, there's Myers-Briggs, and in the book I discuss all the different types. But personalizing the message has to do with think about the receiver and what might be some ways I would tweak this so they would be more open to it or get it more effectively. The next step on activated is important, and you talk about how you keep the receiver activated. It is, to me, one of the most important parts of that model. I'm always trying to learn to be a better listener. And... Why is it so hard to be a good listener in the first place? And talk a little bit about the activated part. Sure. You know, as I've been doing this workshop for many years, and I always ask the audience the same question. I'll ask, how many of you have had some kind of formal listening skills training? Just raise your hand. And literally, less than 15% of the audience raises their hands. But the idea that I think is interesting is that here's a skill that is probably so important, particularly for leaders, yet we don't spend time teaching it. We don't teach it in schools. We don't teach it in colleges. We don't even teach it in corporations. So one of the biggest challenges is that people have not had listening skills training. So that's one reason. The other reason that it's hard to be a good listener is something I call genetics. There's a gap. I call it the genetic attention prohibitor, another acronym, uh, that has to do with not between your ears, but between how fast people can think and how fast people can talk. So genetically, we're set up that people think a lot faster than they can talk. How do you actively engage people in that conversation so that you can really make that impact. Right. So the first thing I think has to do with how do we stay engaged? And then, of course, we could talk about how do you engage the receiver? So from our perspective, the thing that I think is helpful is to make sure that you're present because it's so easy to be distracted. So when you're with somebody, you know, these are basic things, right? Make sure your phone is off. You know, make sure you don't have um, a book in front of you or a paper where you can look Unless at it. Unless it's this book. Unless it's this book, yeah. right, or, or those questions. But I think also then it's important that you kind of stay present because when you are present, 
you're going to be more connected and paying attention. One little technique, real quick technique that I've, I've been using for years because I do a lot of coaching as well. And as an extrovert, I think it's harder for me to listen because I'm always wanting to talk. So I use a technique I call the internal summary. And so I talk to myself internally. So as you're sharing something with me, as a coach, for example, I might be repeating back in my own head what you've been saying as a way to help me stay focused. Because I know that my brain can operate three times faster than you can be speaking with me. So I use a technique like that. I really like that. I, I know I use quite a bit the summarize and repeat back to mm -hmm. make sure someone understands it. So what right. you're telling me is, yes. and I say it, and I often find that just as a check, Sometimes they say, no, that's not at all what I said. Exactly. And other times they'll give you a clarification that you didn't realize. Right. That's actually a tool we talk about in the clarifying step of the process. Right. But in the act of listening, first of all, I think it's important just to be aware that it's difficult to be a good listener. And so once you're aware of that and you can struggle or try to work on trying to pay attention, that helps. But the other side of the coin, I think, and I find it even more interesting today because everybody's impatient. People today are so impatient that when you're communicating with them, you have to actually find ways to keep their attention. Now, this is true in conversations, but it's also true when you're making presentations. Absolutely true. Well, the very last part of this formula is transform. And it's the one you said, people sometimes, you know, it's kind of out there, transform, but it's the one that has such meaning to organizations and to people because it's not just talking, but taking action. So talk about the two types of transformation that you cover in the book. Yeah, well, when I started the process, I actually didn't have the T-step that was transform. I had the T-step that was thank you. But then as I started doing some coaching and I started to realize that so many times we think we've communicated effectively and we think people understand it and are going to take action, but nothing happens. So the step moved from thank you to transform. And there are two types of transformations, internal transformations and external transformations. Now, the external transformation, a lot of people think about it, and that is, for example, for every what, identify a who and ask when. Right? So have deadlines, that'll help with an external transformation. Making sure you have a follow-up check-in call or meeting, uh, making sure you, somebody's assigned to the task. And those are things I think people know about. But the internal transformation is one that I think is a little bit different that most people don't think about. And that is, what's going on inside the mind of the receiver as you're communicating with them? What are their beliefs or their mindset that might actually either help them or hinder them from moving forward? If you're communicating, how do you handle that? If, if you can't tell what's going on in their mind how, and you want to have that transformation, what are some techniques that you can use to try to transform that? Well, actually, if you use the whole process, that really helps because, right, you start with an intention and you begin to identify a message. You think about engaging them. So if you think about intention plus behavior plus action, it achieves transformation. So the first part of the process helps with the transformation. The second part has to do with just being aware that because you and I are communicating, there may be some beliefs you have that might inhibit us from moving forward. So as we're wrapping up the conversation, even asking a question like, so, hey, Skip, as we wrap up, I'm kind of curious, so what are a couple things that you're a little concerned about in terms of this project? And you might tell me a couple external things. Then I might probe a little bit more and say, uh, so uh, tell me about how, how do you feel in terms of how we're going to move forward? Is this something you think your team's going to be responding to, or do you think it's going to be well-received? So I start to ask some questions to get an idea of what that person might believe. If they say, well, I don't know, I don't think our team's going to buy this. Well, I know right away. The deeper piece. Right. Yeah. That there's a mindset maybe that I have to think through or help them think through. I also notice when people blame the team or others or whatever, they're, <laughs> some people may say, right. <laughs> the journalist <laughs> thinks, some people may say, and it's like, no, that's what you may say. Right. So. 
but you, you're trying to surface that so that you can. Yes. But are you surfacing it there in the tea or are you trying to surface it much earlier? So it seems late in the process. Yes, it actually is surfacing throughout the entire process, that's right? Because when you start with the intention, you're already surfacing what we're trying to achieve. So that's gonna help you with your own internal transformation. And when you go to the personalization step, you're thinking about the transformation because I know, for example, if I'm gonna be working with you as a relational person, I wanna be thinking about how you're gonna be feeling about the, taking this out. So I gotta be conscious of checking in because you know relational people are more concerned about feelings. So yeah, you're right. As you go through the process, you're gonna be thinking about it. When you get to the end, it's kind of a culmination of all this. And the thing that I like about the system is it's a process, not an event. So many people think about communicating as an event. I talk to you, we're done, you go get it done. Uh, but so many times you have to have one, two or three particular conversations. So that's why you, if you get to the transformation step and you feel like we haven't had the progress we wanted, you go back around again. I really like that because communicating with impact, so many times people say, oh, if I do it, it's in a single event and right. I'm done. I've communicated with impact, check. But it's not that. It's, it's a relationship. It's a continual. It may be multiple conversations or presentations, right? It's not right. just that one time. I mean, sometimes it can be one event sure. if it's something simple. But for complex messages, that, that's where the model really comes in when you have to deal with a you know, personnel issue or a big project. You, know, you just can't pump out some information. You got to really give some time to think about it. So I like to talk about, as many people say, oh, we don't have time to worry about those soft skills, those communication skills, those soft skills. I'm like, those are the hard skills. It's really, really true. And, and I have found that communicating with impact, this model in particular, it slows you down and makes you much more thoughtful. And so often we think, I communicated that. It's done. And it may or may not be done. So it gives you a thoughtful approach to look at each component and say, did we think about the intention here? Mm -hmm. And usually after the fact, you go, wait. <laughs> right. <laughs> I yeah. should have done that in the beginning. So I've caught myself with that and with the, the card that you uh, gave me that a lot of people carry around in their wallet to say, okay, wait, where am I in this step? And especially, it's a great model not only to do it right, but also as a coaching model to realize where you did it wrong. Sometimes yes. I look back and I go, that didn't go so well. And then I try to figure out where did I go wrong right. in this process. So. And that's part of the transformation step, is that self-evaluation that helps you transform yourself. It's really, really good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing communicating with impact with us because it is a terrific model. And there's not many like this that really give you that model and process that you can follow formulaically and go, oh, I'm always missing that. And I think in particular, intention's one that we miss because we think, we don't need to do that, we just know it. Right. And that, that misses it, so uh, I appreciate that. So you are here to help us with this elusive goal of communication. And so I've been kind of compiling some questions and I'd love to just jump right in. Yeah. Are you ready to jump in? I am ready. Okay. So. First of all, just communications, uh, it seems like it's getting, it's always been important, but it seems like it's getting more important. Why is communication getting more important in recent years? Well, and I can only tell you from my own experience uh, that what I've seen is we have get more engaged with technology and we find that, you know, again, we're in this faster paced environment. Communication is something that takes a little bit of time and people always want the shortcut. So I'll just send a text. Who wants to pick up the phone anymore? I have a couple... Uh, kids who are, you know, now they're in their 20s, but boy, if they had to make a phone call to somebody, a stranger, it would just be terrifying. 
what I'm finding is that the old-fashioned face-to-face communication is the area that a lot of people still need to be working on because we're getting so away from it. It's like any other skill, right? The more you do it, the easier it gets. And the less you do it, the less you're good at it. So technology is one of the drivers. It doesn't necessarily have to be generational because, you know, we have boomers who are so into technology now. So I'm not saying it's only the millennials. It's just technology in general. And the other piece that I find is that we're not really teaching people communication skills as often or as much as I think we could be. Stepping back as a leader, you know, one of the basics when we look at communications, what are some of the benefits that an organization sees if it's communicating with impact? If leaders are communicating with impact, what do you notice about that organization? Right. Well, first of all, I think it goes back to one of the most important things, and that is you build deeper relationships, right? And relationships are so critical in any organization, relationships with your coworkers, relationships with your customers. So that's a great, great benefit, just having better relationships. And when I talked about the intention step previously with you, you know, there's many intentions, but for me, everything I do when I'm communicating always has a secondary intention, and that is to build and maintain the relationship. Trust. That's, 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 it's foundation yeah. to, to everything. That's one great benefit. Another benefit is it actually saves time. Because think about it, if you, people don't want to invest, oh, I'm just going to send out an email. And then you send it out and all of a sudden now you didn't spend the time thinking about it and now it's causing a big commotion. Now you got to have a second email and they have to have a meeting, they have to pick up the phone. So if you invest up front, right, it saves a lot of time by taking a few extra minutes to think through before you start to communicate. It also reduces errors. I can go on and on about the benefits, you know, but it all goes back to just, there's so many fundamental skills that I think people just assume it's easy. You know? It's not. How about this one? I get this one all the time where a leader will say, that's not what I meant. I didn't intend that. Or they'll ask, you know, I, I keep saying A and B, A and B, A and B, and they keep hearing X and Y, X and Y, X and Y. What's going on? Have you, surely you've seen that before. Oh, yeah. Again, communicating is very challenging. We talked a little bit prior to the interview about selective perception. And selective perception is where the meaning of the message is screened by the receiver. And some studies show that up to 70 to 90% of the message is screened by the receiver. So even though I'm saying A or B, I'm not really putting the meaning to the message. It's the person that is receiving the message that's actually interpreting it. So a couple things that you can do to help minimize that. Number one, pick the right method. So if it's a complicated message, sometimes in addition to having a phone call, it might be good to follow up with an email. So you don't just want to pick one. There's not one tool that works all the time. Complex messages might require multiple tools. It could be a phone call and it could be a follow-up email. It could be a quick text and call me. I'm thinking back to one particular meeting where I was curious about something. I'm the leader. I raised my hand. I asked a question. And I had no motive. I, I, right. It was literally, I just don't understand. I'm, I'm asking a question. And the person stood up and said, well, I completely disagree with you. And sort of, well, there's nothing to disagree with. Right. I was literally asking a question, seeking to understand what was going on. And was that part of that perception piece that what she was bringing into the conversation? Is that an example I, I of think, that? I don't know enough, but I'm going to make a couple hypothetical guesses. Number one, it's part of selective perception. And number two, there's a mindset that was probably there that got triggered. I think both were happening. Okay, that's interesting. Let's talk a little bit about listening because listening is such a key skill. It's something that I always have on my skills for the year. Right. How do I get to be a better listener. And when I meet people who are extraordinary listeners, they're just amazing people. I guess they just listen to me go on and on. <laughs> How do you do this? And you cover in the book a number of active listening 
skills, kind of active listening tips that people mm -hmm. can develop, which I find incredibly helpful. Would you share a little bit about that or maybe a tip or two or just talk about active listening? Sure. You know, there's two types of listening. There's active and passive. And we flip back and forth on these. You know, so it's not like we're always in active mode. Uh, so first of all, you have to catch yourself. You know, maybe this happened to you. You walk into the office, you say, good morning, and somebody yells back, fine, thank you. Passive listening. They assumed you said, how are you? So we're automatically you know, perceiving something that's not really there. So trying to be an active listener is very important. And the other piece that's interesting is that there are certain skills, and some of these are so simple, I even hate to tell you them because you probably know them. But here's what happens. We know them, but we don't always use them. There's two techniques. One's called the restating, and one's called the paraphrase. Restating is I say right back to you what you said. You know, I'm very frustrated. Oh, you're very frustrated. Well, yes, and then, so I restate it back to you. The other way is to paraphrase it. What I hear you saying, Skip, is it sounds like. So these are two different mm -hmm. tools to kind of listen, but also checking in to get that other person to give more information. Another great tool, and I, I'm a big believer in you know, having your toolbox full of good questions. And they're open-ended questions or closed-ended questions. And so asking good questions can be helpful. So for example, if I said to you, we're gonna start having bi-weekly meetings, how often should we be here? Yeah, that's the, is it two per month or two per week? Exactly. Yeah. Bi-monthly, bi-weekly. Yeah. I, I, I run into that all the time with people. Yeah. So sometimes just, you know, again, that's an example where you wanna just, you don't wanna make the assumption, you check for understanding. I love the, uh, the summary where you, at the end of a conversation, maybe have a summary to help recap everything. And my philosophy is the longer the communication, the more important the summary. But there are two types of summaries, and most people do the first type, which is, well, let me summarize our conversation today. And the leader decides they're gonna do the summary. But what I suggest you try is to get the receiver to do the summary. So you say, hey, Skip, as we're wrapping up today, give me a little idea of what we're gonna be happening as we move forward. And then you're gonna tell me A, B, and D. And I'll say, excellent, and we talked about C. Oh, that's right, C. So if you get the receiver to do the summary, it's another great way to be a good listener and also to check for understanding. Yeah, that's really good. I could see that being immediately applicable to yeah. a lot of uh, people. Or they just are focused on the one thing, and then you're like, well, you missed the nuances of it, which can happen as well. What about other tips that engage listeners? You talk about kind of the physical, mental, emotional kind of components. How do you get people to engage on those levels? Well, again, we talked about being very impatient. And I do a lot of presentation skills coaching in addition to communication skills. And when I'm coaching my clients on presentations, I remind them that our audiences are very impatient. You know, like every three to five minutes, maybe even one to two minutes, you want to be changing the pace and doing something different. So physically, you may, if you're going to ask the group a question, you know, raise your hand. They might want to raise their hand, engage them, having a quick conversation. Uh, mentally, you know, stories are great. Good questions are helpful, too, to get people to think rhetorical questions. Even in the terms of, let me stop, let me come back. What was so these are great talking points about active listening. You talk about kind of emotional, physical, mental listening, active listening. What other tips or thoughts do you have around active listening in that regard? Right. So in addition to communication skills, I also do presentation skills training. And so I talk a lot about you got to engage the receiver. you got to get the people in your audiences to really be engaged because they're so impatient. So every three to five minutes, you want to bring in a physical or a mental or an emotional engagement. So changing the pace. You know, you can change your voice. Yeah, I got a little secret I want to tell you, Skip. And then people will, you know, that shifts it up. Maybe you have a visual. Maybe you have a story. I really like questions. So rhetorical questions, or if you want the audience to be engaged, maybe asking a quick question. I'm not a big believer. I'm always getting people to raise their hands. But sometimes, how many of you have ever noticed 
and you get a survey from the group, and then that helps you determine whether or not you want to go deeper or not. I think it's great too, instead of telling people, it's always good to engage people. So I was going to do a little exercise with you, if you're okay with this. When I teach communication skills, I talk about selective perception. And then instead of just saying it's hard to do, I say, well, let's do a little exercise. So I get the whole group to do a spelling bee. There are three letter words. I want to ask you to spell them. And then we'll talk about selective perception. So spell the word hop. Hop, H-O-P. Spell the word pop. P-O-P. A little toy you play with. Spell the word top. T-O-P. And when you come to a green light, you... S-T-O-P. Perfect. You stop. Excellent. So you did a great job. When you come to a green light, you... S-T-O-P. Right. Green light. You go. (laughs) (laughs) So again, you could just tell people about it's tough to be a good listener. Or if you do this exercise, you get people's attention. They go, wow, you know what? It is tough to be a good listener. stuck in just answering the uh, spelling bee. Yeah. So, and the key words you were in a spelling bee. You know what actually was in my head was not the word mistake. Was actually you said three letter words. Uh huh. So I recognized. I was thinking, well, stops a four. But that's where I was, which was also not. Yeah. So interesting. But the idea is again, as a presenter today, and I think a lot of leaders do present the groups. You know, keep thinking about how do you bring in what I call these engagers. I mean, watch a show, right? There's a commercial. So how do you get people engaged every three to five minutes? Don't just get up there and start talking you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes without... They're lost so fast they are. today. Yeah. And our attention spans are not probably what they used to be. No. It's very interesting. Well, as you know, I, I'm all about mistakes. Yes. <laughs> you know, one of the things you should, you know, write a book about mistakes, and maybe it's just because I, I make so many of them, I don't know. But how about common communication mistakes? You literally worked with thousands of people. Are there certain mistakes that you just see over and over again and you're like yep check that's you know the top few mistakes sure any that come to mind well let's take a couple different methods for example like for email you know a very common mistake is people forget to change the subject line i get an email that says you know nice seeing you at lunch and it was like two years ago so it's a common mistake you know that email subject line is like the heading of a newspaper you see it and you know exactly what it's all about very common mistake Uh, when people are making presentations i find a lot of people don't have an opening or a closing. You know, they just get up and say, good morning, we're going to talk today about X, Y, Z, and, you know, the audience isn't paying attention, as opposed to, have you ever noticed? And you open up with a question or a story. So a lot of people are making a mistake where they don't take the time to think about an opening or a closing. Even, you know, face-to-face communications, uh, so many times people are not actually listening. I've had somebody say, you know, I want to have you come in and I want to get some of your ideas, and I'm happy to pay you for your time. I said, oh, great, I'll come over. And then I got to the meeting and the guy talked to me for 30 minutes, never asked me one question. (laughs) I'm like, I'm okay, I'm getting paid no matter what, but I thought the intention was, you wanna get some of my ideas. So even just skipping the intention. Was the intention just for you to say, oh, you're doing great? (laughs) I think think that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. And then respond with, thanks for the lunch. And another quick one that I find, a lot of people just don't take the time to understand how different we are. We all know the golden rule, right? Treat people the way I wanna be treated. But I think when you're communicating, a big mistake is people rely too much on the golden rule. I like the platinum rule, which is actually a book by probably someone you may know as well as I do, Dr. Tony Alessandra. And the platinum rule is treat people the way they want to be treated. And so many times people make the mistake of assuming you're just like me. So I would like this. I assume you would like that. So true. Even communication modes. You know, I ask if I have somebody new who's working with me, I'd like to ask right up front. What's your preferred communication yes. style? Are you more an email person or in person? Do you like one-on-one? or the, People will share it with you, but nobody usually asks. Right. And they just think, well, 
if the leader does it this way, everyone will respond the same way, and that's a key mistake. I yeah, think. that's another golden rule, right? I like email, you'll like you'll email. You'll like email, yeah. right. So and we talk about preferences and being aware of different preferences, and some of it has to do with the generations, and some has to do with personality style. Yeah, but there's a lot of common mistakes, but I tell you the thing I like the most is that it's all easy stuff that we can learn from if you take the time to do what I call the WD process. WD. WD, and that stands for what did I do well, and what can I do differently the next time? So in the transformation step, you know, we talk about the importance of transforming yourself, where it's a continuous learning process. I mean, you said it, right? Every company says, we got to get better at communications. So one way to get better is constantly evaluate. What are we doing well? What can we change? After every presentation, I tell my clients, take out a piece of paper, put a W and a D, write down, what did I do well today? And what are a couple things I could do differently the next time I make this presentation or the next time I present? And that process right there will make you a better communicator. I like the different from another perspective too, Patrick, which is the fact that sometimes in company communications, in any organization, you get formulaic. The newsletter comes out this day, this happens. This, and as a result, people kind of gloss over and right. it's in the background. And so when you do something a little different, it gets their attention in a little different way, which I appreciate. So to me, that difference is... Do it differently right. and keep looking at how I can do it differently to get better and better. Yeah. So the best leaders are always on this goal to get better and better at some of these key skills like communications, which we think, oh, well, everybody can communicate, and they can't. It is an elusive goal, isn't it? It is in a way. Yeah, that's, it, that's what keeps you busy. It does keep me busy because <laughs> it's really hard to really kind of evaluate and tangibly say this has really gotten the result we wanted. But we do know you can see kind of general movements. You know, companies that do have good communication tend to have you know, more productive and happier employees. I mean, you can take a look at the research. So there, there are some big broad goals you can take a look at, but it isn't as easy as A plus B you know, equals no, C. No, it really isn't. And I like the fact that we're going back in time with hieroglyphics and images. And <laughs> it, it is funny, we go through these long you know, email and now we're going back to Instagram and it's just an image and right. that should communicate it all. So. In some ways, you know, Instagram and, and, and Twitter, where we force people to be more concise, has been helpful because it really helps people get their message out in a shorter time of frame. 144 characters. I know they're changing it, but that's a limit, and that forces you to really get specific. It really does. I, and some of us who are impatient really right. like that. Yes. <laughs> in fact, I'd like for it to go to 70. So, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for sharing this and uh, giving us some perspective because it is one of those key skills that leaders are always looking to get better and better at. I know I am, so I appreciate your insights. This book is terrific because it gives you a model and really helps you evaluate how do I get better each time. It's a little too precise, though, of, oh, <laughs> that was what I missed. So um, thank yeah, it's you pretty, It's a lot of material in there, but I appreciate the time being with you, Skip. It's good to see you again. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.